Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Well, come on, who's excited to be at church today? Anybody? Yeah. We are so glad that you're here. So many um, great opportunities coming up this fall season, this holiday season for you to serve. And you're going to be hearing a lot more about those things in the weeks to come, uh, beginning with Thanksgiving baskets. Uh, with all that being said, I want to take a moment and uh, remind you of our new parent paging system. We've been doing this for the last few weeks. But if this is your first time here, uh, when you checked your kids in today, you would have received a little code at the last thing that printed off. And if you'll keep that with you, and during the service at any point, if you're needed in iKids for your child, they'll put that code on the screen, and you can just slip out and uh, head back there down the kids' hall to see what, what is needed of you. And uh, tonight, or this afternoon, is our fall festival. Hey. <laughs> tonight is our fall festival. And uh, so we're going to be gathering at the McLaughlin's home. If you, we've, uh, the address has been sent out a couple of times through text messages on social media, so you can get it there. If you're not opted in to receive the text messages from the church, I would highly recommend you do that. A lot of great information, announcements sent out during the week. You can text IMPACT to 97000, and that'll opt you in. And so any message, any information that needs to be sent out, you can receive that right there on your phone and uh, links to sign up for things, all of that good stuff is on there. But tonight, 4 to 7, um, and even if you can't come for the entire time or you're going to be a little bit late, don't not come because you have to leave early or you're going to be a little bit late getting there. Join us tonight. It's always a great time. It's really laid back. We've got inflatables that are there for the kids, hay rides, bonfire, lots of food. Uh, and it's a great opportunity for you to meet um, a lot of people uh, that are part of your church family. And I know this is the 9 o'clock service, and many of you are regulars at the nine o'clock service and you may not know anybody at the 1045 service tonight is a great opportunity for you to meet some people that attend later come on they sleep in while you're at church and then they come to church and you need to meet them and uh anyway it's gonna be a lot of fun and we want you to be there tonight four to seven at the mclaughlin's homes in powderly and so we're looking forward to that it's gonna be a great time together uh, and then the last thing i want to do before we get into the last part of our series is pray for another church in the community. And today I want to pray for Bethel Temple. So if you will bow your heads and let's say a word of prayer. God, we thank you for the opportunity we have, um, even over the last 30 minutes or so, to worship you with our voices and song and lifting our hands. And Lord, now as we enter into this time of, of hearing another story and diving into your word together, Lord, we just pray your blessing be on it. And we just pray for Bethel Temple right now as another church right here in this community. I pray that you would bless their leadership and their pastor and their congregation and we thank you for the opportunity that we have to build the kingdom alongside them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, today is the conclusion of our series, and um, this has been a great series. Have you enjoyed this series and hearing people's stories and, yeah, and just applying God's word to it? And it amazes me every time how uh, God can take just real-life situations, things that people have been through, and he can use that, and he can speak to us through that, even sometimes more through that story than even what I have to say. But, uh, but today is, is the last part of this series, and I believe you're going to be blessed again by the story and by the word. 
Um, but we got to hear from, if you've been here all four weeks, if you've missed any of these weeks, go back on the podcast or on the Church Center app or on YouTube, Facebook, any of those places, and you can watch it, you can listen to it. Uh, but we heard, we've talked about marriage a little bit, our behaviors and decisions, and we heard from Mossy and Ermi, we heard from Anthony and Mariah, Emily. Uh, we talked about the importance of family and prayer and community and how God can change your life. And then last week was Micah and Courtney Bedford and how the Lord directs our steps and God speaks to us through his word. And, and how many remember this one, that God loves to stretch us? Come on, anybody been stretched this week? Anybody felt like this was a week of stretching? Maybe you feel like, man, this, is, this, must, this must be a month of stretching. God loves to stretch us. And today, as we wrap this series up, we're going to get to hear from Stephen and Susan McIntyre. Many of you know them, uh, but I'm excited for what God's going to do uh, as we watch their story for the next few minutes and then what God wants to bring out of his words. So uh, without further ado, if you'll turn your attention to the screen, here is Stephen and Susan McIntyre. And a woman, senior-old girl, she pulled right out in front of me. Um, and I was going about 70 highway speed and really had no braking time. And, uh, and I hit her. I just tamponed her. And I remember the car crushing up to her, and it's, it just stopped. I, didn't, I learned later that she was fine and that she was pregnant, and her and the baby was fine. And all my airbags come out and all the glass shattered my windshield windows uh, sunroof and car was full of smoke and I'm trying to stop and I can't stop and I think I remember some impacts so I had to take it out some more pose and probably hit a culvert before I actually stopped and then I looked down and I realized that my bones are sticking out of my legs and that's why I couldn't stop and I called him 
Yeah, didn't call 911. Uh, called me, um, said she was fine, said there was a guy there helping her. I don't know, it kind of really took a toll on Meg. I mean, nobody wants to expect, you know, get that call that, you know, your loved one's been in, involved in the wreck. But, you know, we left, um, I left work. Time I got there, I seen the helicopter landing there when I was pulling up, and I knew it was a real deal then. And we got there, and of course the cars were all smashed up, and she took out several light poles there at an intersection, and just really I don't know what we would have done if we didn't have the Lord on our side through that, because back when we were living life of our own, I mean, I can't imagine going through something like that without without him on our side. And I knew immediately that he was in the car with me. Like I knew my foot was backwards and my arms hurt and my chest hurt and my neck hurt and my back hurt, but I knew immediately that he was in the car with me. And so after I called him, a little guy showed up and he's prying on my door and he got my door open enough to pray with me. And he stayed there and he prayed with me till till the ambulances arrived and the helicopter and my family uh, and I learned that he was in his early 20s and he had just went through open heart surgery that he went into full cardiac arrest and somebody that knew CPR saved his life and he hadn't been out of the hospital very long and was there prying my door open so I feel like the Lord saved him to come be with me that day um, his mom had sent me pictures of what his sternum looked like and stuff and to me, it was just a little angel that he showed up just to remind me that the Lord is good and he seen me. So whenever the helicopter picked me up and I arrived at the hospital, I remember some hospital staff coming out and telling the helicopter crew, we just got a COVID patient. It was the very first COVID patient that Dallas hospitals had received. So there's a little chaos, I think a little fear in everybody. Um, they had on hazmat suits when they rolled me in and I honestly thought I was like in a science fiction movie um, just cause that atmosphere. And I think I had to lay there for quite a bit of time before they really realized that I was in there because everything else was going on and how do they deal and what do they do? What do they do to protect themselves, to protect other people? Cause people are dying all over the world from COVID and nobody knew anything. Um, so after they finally come and they got me and all my screenings and stuff, the trauma surgeon came in and first he told me the obvious, of course, that I had a broken leg, but had a compound open fracture and that multiple bones were crushed in the leg. And he said, I would need to go to surgery and have that all cleaned up. So I knew that and already knew that my wrist was hurt. And of course, working the ER for so many years before my wreck, I knew what kind of injuries I probably had, but he come in and he said, well, your neck is broke. But still, I mean, the peace of the Lord was with me. And then he come in and said, well, your back is broke in three places. But I still, I knew, I knew the Lord had me. And then he come in and he told me, he said, you got fluid collected in your neck. We're afraid, you know, that you might have a stroke. So we're gonna send you back to CT. Um, but in the whole time, I knew that my husband had to be outside that hospital trying to get in there and they wouldn't let him in. Yeah, I mean, it was terrible. Uh, we got there, I mean, I don't think we were far behind the helicopter. I didn't, and um, once we got there and parked and we were making our way to the to the emergency room and once we got to the door, you could kind of just tell everything was looking different than what it normally looked like. And, you know, once we got to the door, got in, they had a table set up and asked if they could help us. And 
I said, yeah, you know, my wife's been in a bad car wreck and we just uh, need to get back there to see her. And they said, no, you're not, there's nobody coming in. You know, we've got COVID here now and we're not letting anybody in uh, other than who has to be in. I was like, well, that's not gonna work because we're gonna get in here. And um, my son and I were there and I have a daughter on the phone and we were, you know, hadn't seen Susan since she left the scene and I knew she had been there for a little bit and we didn't have a clue what's going on, couldn't talk to her, couldn't communicate at all. Um, security guards started just coming in standing there, kind of their presence kind of uh, helped us understand that we probably need to calm down a little bit and, and just chill out for a minute and just kind of observe what's going on and we sat there for quite some while just right outside and finally went and found Susan's phone in her purse and took that back in. They still wouldn't let us go in. It, um, it was such a mess. I've never seen anything like that in my life. I mean, there was Alice's backing up. It looked like something off TV. Um, I didn't know what was going on. We didn't know how we were going to deal with this. How's she going to go through surgery? How can we... We're not even get to pray with her before she does any of this. Um, I mean, she's solo, you know, man up, here you go. And of course, whenever they first came in and told me my neck was broke, he said, I'm gonna call the neurosurgeon. And so I'm thinking, you know, immediately like the worst. But when I got my phone and I was able to call Steven, by then I already had family over there. I mean, already had a prayer circle out there in the park. And they were all out there praying over me. And I knew immediately right then the Lord was answering prayers because he came in and he told me, he said, you ain't going to have to have surgery in your neck. So I just knew already that they were praying and the Lord was answering our prayers. And then I did have to lay there all night long with a bone sticking out of my leg before they took me to surgery the next day. But um, the nurse that was in there with me heard her talking to the surgeon and they was talking about COVID and they was talking about things of the world and they were talking about everybody needing to know Jesus. So when I heard Jesus come out of her mouth, I started hollering for her. And I said, would you please come pray? That's another little thing. I know the Lord put somebody in my path that knew him. That knew him. And they come and they prayed with me before I went to surgery. And then I believe it was the next day they come in and they said, you've got to go. Like, you can't stay here. Like, there's a COVID patient in our hospital. This is still new. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know that another hospital will take you. Uh, because you've been in here with this COVID patient, we can try a nursing home. They probably won't take you, or you can go home. And immediately, I knew my husband would come and get me if I was no, going to try. We're coming to the house. We're not going to rehab. You know, I was trying not to be fearful of COVID. I wasn't, you know, that big a deal. I you know it didn't impact us directly until a few years later. And um, I just, you know, we was kind of like we're just bringing her home. You know, we drove through a couple of days later, I guess after the wreck, I think it was a couple of days. Uh, we hadn't seen Susan. She had been through surgery, so um, just talked to her on the phone a couple of times, stayed home, and we just cried a lot, man. Just really didn't understand life, didn't really know what was happening in the world. And, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are dying. My wife's just been in the hospital with a wreck. Is she gonna bring this home to us and we're gonna spread it to somebody else? And yeah, man, it was, it was just one of those things that boy, fear could consume you real quick. And just knowing that we had the Lord on our side was, was um, what we needed.
I mean, that's what got us through it because we pulled through there and they wheeled Susan out. Doctor never got her in the car. Neck brace, they never brace broke been. arms, broke legs. It's never like should have been. Get in this truck. Transported by vehicle. Um, should have been by ambulance or something to a rehab or something, but hey, we're going home. Um, we made it though. You know, we did. six, eight months later, you know, what she sat around and there's a lot of things I could help do and a lot of things I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, life looked really different. Sitting there in a wheelchair, almost died. Um, that's all I really could do was sit there, but um, nothing mattered. Nothing mattered anymore. Jesus mattered. My family mattered. And sharing the gospel mattered. That's all that mattered to me. Um, puts life in a different perspective. Um, makes you appreciate a whole lot. So thankful for the relationship that we had with the Lord. Um, and I do realize that my life could have turned out a lot different that day. I could have lost my life that day. Um, so I not only praise Him for letting me live, but also praise Him for forgiving me a long time ago when we repented and um, giving me that second chance there. But had I lost my life and not have known Him, so I think that's given us such an urgency of wanting to share the gospel with other people, um, just to know that when your last breath on this earth is over, to have that first breath and have it with Jesus. And so we so want that for, for everybody else. Um, so impact family if not saved. Get yourself to the altar today. Find you one of these believers that are surrounding you today. And then pray with you. Um, that you know that your eternity is secure in Jesus. Because you never know what tomorrow could hold or on the way home or whatever. And I just want to love Jesus. I just want to praise him and give him glory for all he's done. Yeah. And see you in Go Groups for the rest of our stories. We love you, Impact Family. Thank you. So good, so good. I love the I love the comment about um, the the first take that you really needed an entire series to <laughs> to tell your story. Um, I don't know. Maybe next year we just do a whole series over you guys, and we'll just keep recording. Uh, so I wanna I wanna pull a few things out and and share a few truths with you and things that stuck out to me when I was watching this and and uh, going back through their story. And I just want to say, I said this last week, but I just want to say this again. For every person, I know we're ending this today, but for every person who uh, has taken the time and, and had the guts, really, to sit in front of a camera and kind of open their life up a little bit, open up situations in their life a little bit so that we can see in and we could benefit and we could be encouraged. And um, I, I even think, as I was thinking back over... Uh, some of the weeks of this series, I even think that uh, God uses things like this really to heal other people. And I, I, I really believe that there are people, even in our church, and maybe you're sitting here today or you're watching online right now, but um, that healing is taking place in your life because of what you've heard somebody else say or how you've seen God be faithful in somebody else's situation or somebody else's life. And it's amazing. Isn't it amazing how God uses people Amen. to touch other people? to heal other people, to encourage other people. And that's what he's really been doing in this series. 
And I, I just want to, just a few things that I want to bring out today that I think are really important. Here's the first point today, if you're, if you're taking notes. It's this, the right place at the right time. You ever had, you ever found yourself in the right place at the right time? Or you were in a situation and somebody else, like you just know that somebody else was in the right place at the right time. You ever had that moment where you think, man, had, what if that had been different? What if that person hadn't been there? What if it just seemed like they were at the right place at the right time? And sometimes when we go through bad situations, really the Lord just has this way of bringing the right person at just the right time. And there's a story in the Bible that I was reminded of when I was thinking about this and preparing this. And it's in Acts 9, and we'll read just a couple of verses in a moment, but many of you are familiar with this story. It's where God sends, so Paul is on the road to Damascus, and he's killing Christians, and he's on his way there to, to do the same. He's on his way there to continue his mission, and what he thinks is the right thing to be doing. And on that road, if you remember the story, he encounters, there's this bright light, and he encounters Jesus himself, and Jesus says, you know, Saul, Saul, Saul was his name at the time. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul's, or Saul at the time, his response always gets me because he says, Lord, who are you? <laughs> like, who are you, Lord? And it's almost like, like, you can't be on the road and see a bright light and there be like, you know, an angel figure or, you know, like, I don't know what that looked like and not think, okay, something's like really up right now, you know? And, and Jesus' response is, I'm the one that you've been persecuting. I'm the one that you've been killing people over. So as the story goes, just kind of bringing it all together, he, he sends Saul, basically, you know, Saul's life's going to be changed forever. He sends Saul to, uh, on to where he was going, and he goes to this, this place, this house, and he stays there, and we know that he's blinded, and there's like, you know, scales over his eyes, and, and then Jesus, when he sends Saul to this certain place, he also speaks to another man. His name's Ananias. And he sends Ananias to the right place at the right time. And what's always been interesting to me is that um, Ananias, if you look at this, look at this in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 10. Just read verses 10 and 11. It says, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas, and when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. Now, when I read that, what's interesting to me is that Ananias was already in the place that, that Saul was on his way to, that Jesus would get a hold of his life, that something would change, and he would send Saul onto the place where he was going, and there was already somebody there. That in the midst of communicating with Saul, Jesus is speaking to this guy who's already in the place that Saul's going to and uses him in the right place at the right time to go and pray for Saul so that he would see. And, and we know, you know, if you read the story, you know that Ananias does what most of us would do because he's human. He hears the, the, you know, the Lord saying, hey, go do this. And he's like, Lord, I know who Saul is. <laughs> I know what, like, we've heard the stories, and we know what Saul's doing, and, and you want me to go do what? Right? And, but he obeys. Ultimately, he obeys. He goes. And it's, it's so encouraging to me to know that God already had somebody in the place that Saul was heading to for the wrong reason 
so that when he changed his life and he headed there for the right reason, and now you know, it's Jesus says, hey, there's somebody there named Saul, and he's praying to me right now, that when he gets there, there was already somebody there at the right place at the right time that God could speak to, to send to this. Have you ever had this happen in your life? Where it seemed like when you got somewhere, when you were walking through something difficult or you were experiencing something in life, it was like there was somebody at the right place, at the right time, to encourage you, to pray for you. And I was thinking about Susan. She was talking about a couple of instances in her story where she's there at the scene of the wreck and there's the young man that comes and he had just been through open heart surgery and he's been healing up and, and hadn't been that long and he's there at the right place at the right time. Somebody to be right there to pray with her while everything else is going on and they're waiting for everything to happen and, and trying to figure out what's going to happen. And then getting to the hospital and nobody can get in and there's a nurse there that knows the Lord and speaks the name of Jesus and it's like, wow, you're in the right place at the right time. Can you come pray for me? Come on, this is what God will do in your life. And sometimes we just have to be aware. It's not that God is not putting people in our path. Come on, for some of you, you've been the person in the right place at the right time. And maybe you didn't even realize it. That you were the person. You think you just took a job. Oh, no. God has you in the right place at the right time for somebody else. You thought that you just met that person and it was just coincidence that you ran into them and that this relationship. No, God made sure that you were at the right place at the right time so that you would encounter the right person so that he could form a relationship that would change somebody else's life or lead you into the destiny or the purpose that God has for your life. God has a way of making sure that we're at the right place at the right time or that people in our lives are at the right place at the right time. And Ananias was already in Damascus. It was the place where the Lord was sending Saul. And it's as if God had a plan all along. Imagine that. That even in the midst of everything that was going on, God had a plan all along. That he already knew what he was going to do. He already knew how this was going to turn out. God has a way of making sure that we're in the right place at the right time for him to do what he desires to do in our lives. I can think of many times when as I was writing this and thinking about this last week, I was thinking about all the times that uh, even my wife and I, just simple things, simple things, we just have to be aware. We just have to open our eyes. We need, we need, sometimes we need somebody to pray for us like Elijah prayed for his servant. Lord, open his eyes because he's not seeing it from the perspective that, that he needs to see it from. Open his eyes so that he can see it. And, and if we're aware, I think about just instances where we've been at conferences or we've been, you know, in encounters with people, or we thought, you know, I, I was thinking, we just thought we sat down in this seat because this was the open seat. And about two songs into the worship service, the Lord says, I want you to tell this person that's sitting in front of you this word because they need to hear this. And so you lean up and you share this and they begin to cry and you're like, wow, I was in the right place at the right time. And I thought that I was just picking a seat. I thought that it was just, no, could it be that God had already planned out? Could it be that God had already seen, that God had already orchestrated, that God had already worked out a way for us to be there to encourage this person? This is, this is what God can do in our lives. We just have to be aware of what he's doing. We have to open our spiritual eyes and be able to see. If you don't think that God sees you where you are, I want to encourage you today that God can send the right person at the right time to accomplish exactly what he wants to accomplish in your life. In fact, as I, was, as I was writing this, I was preparing, I just felt like there would probably be somebody 
who would need to know that God, God has not lost sight of you. You feel like God doesn't see you, God doesn't know you, God has left you out to dry. And God has not done that. That God sees you exactly where you are, and he has the right circumstance, the right person, the right timing, the right everything. That he's, it, it's, it's all working together as a part of what he's doing in your life. And God wanted me to tell somebody today that he sees you right where you are. He sees you right where you are. Don't get discouraged. Don't get depressed. Don't give up on God. Sometimes we get in situations and we feel like God doesn't see us. And we start to question our faith. And we start to... And, and when that happens, you need to, you need to root. Sometimes that's a, that's a moment in time where we need to take inventory of what our faith is actually in. Is our faith in what we're, like, our experiences? Is our faith in whether or not God is doing what I need him to do in the moment? Or is my faith in him regardless? Is my faith rooted in him? Don't lose heart. God sees you where you are. God sees you where you are. Here's point number two. Number two is this, there is peace in the chaos. There's peace in the chaos. Um, the situation that, if, if you remember, anybody remember about three and a half years ago? If <laughs> Some of you are like, yes, I do. The situation that they found themselves in in this, in this moment, I remember this so vividly because we were, it was like the week before when, um, Everything started shutting down because of COVID, and COVID was here, and you know nobody knew anything, and everybody was, you know, it's like so much fear and so much anxiety, and what are we doing, and what is happening, and all these things were going on, and we were, I remember when I got the call, and I cannot remember who called me, but we were actually at somebody's house, and we were filming because we knew like, all, like everything was shutting down. There's no gathering, there's no in-person, there's no meeting together, like everybody needs to be away from each other, and and. All these things were happening, and we were like, I don't know what's going on. And we were in the middle of, we were recording, and we were filming um, some worship because we knew we were going to be doing it at least for, at the time, we were like, you know, it'd be a couple weeks, and, and we'll do a couple weeks online, and then we'll be back. And it turned out to be a little bit longer than that. But, but we, we were in the middle of recording this, and, and we were all sitting in this living room and uh, getting all of this stuff ready so that we could have church online. And somebody called, and I, and I was thinking about this time this period of time and how chaotic it was and I remember driving down there and us getting there and and Stephen and some other people were out in the parking lot and we found them in the parking lot and they were like we can't get in and nobody's letting us in and nothing you know we don't know what's going on and she has her phone now and so it was like the whole thing was chaotic but in the middle of that I love what you said because in the middle of that you said I just knew that God was with me I knew that God was with me. And when you said that statement, there was one story that's in multiple places in the Bible. I want to read it um, from one in particular. It's found in, in uh, Luke chapter 8. Because I think sometimes we feel like our life is in chaos. There's something with the kids. There's something in your marriage. There's something in your job. Something in your health. Some rumor that someone is spreading about you. Everything is kind of swirling around you. And in Luke chapter 8, there's this story uh, starting in verse 22, it says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. I like that, a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. 
Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. I like that. Anybody ever been terrified and amazed? Like God did something here like, I don't know whether to be scared right now or to be in awe. I don't don't know. what. They were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. As I was reading this story again, in verse 23, Luke writes, and he says that uh, as they were sailing along, there was a fierce storm that, that came on the lake. A fierce storm in that moment. And so I looked up, I don't know if you've ever done this or not, but you look up the original meaning of words and, and definitions and things like that. And the original Greek word here that we translate in, in this passage as fierce can actually be defined as a hurricane. It's like complete and utter madness. Like really strong wind. Not like what we would think sometimes. It's like, well, there's, you know, there's a storm coming. I mean, it, it gives the impression and it implies that this was really, really bad. In other words, while they were sailing along, it was like a hurricane started. And the boat's filling up with water. And all this time, Jesus is taking a nap. So he goes, he goes and he lays his head on a pillow and Jesus is taking a nap. Which I just came to tell somebody today that even though you're anxious and worried and stressed about whatever you're walking through, sometimes Jesus is just taking a nap. He's not worried about it. He's already got it all under control. And when we keep our faith in him, then, and we surrender to him, and we allow him to take over, then we could be, you know, sometimes terrified but amazed at what Jesus can do in our situation. And I wonder if you've ever had a hurricane season in your life. I'm not talking about just a little storm. I'm talking about a hurricane season. Like, like everything was going wrong. Like we don't have enough money. My family's crazy. Like everything. I, I, just, I, I just wrote some things down that I would consider, if it was me, I would consider, you know, if we wanted to say a hurricane season in our lives. Maybe you lost a child. Hurricane season. Very difficult. Your spouse filed for divorce. Hurricane season. Your child was running from God. And you're praying day after day after day after day after day. Hurricane season. You were blamed for something that you didn't even do. Or you lost a job and didn't know what was next. Or you received a diagnosis from the doctor that you weren't expecting and it kind of caught you off guard and it's a hurricane season. It's really bad. Like you were just living, they were just sailing along and it was like a hurricane started up. And you've just been living your life. You've just been, you've just been doing your thing. And all of a sudden it was like a hurricane started up in your life. And, and you kind of have the mentality that, God, do you even care? I mean, waves are crashing into the boat. We're going to drown. Are you, like, you going to do anything? And I want to look, look at the account of this story from Matthew's gospel. It's Matthew's perspective when he writes it. It's Matthew 8, 23 and 24, just this one little section says, then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly. Somebody say suddenly. suddenly. Come on, say it like you mean it. Suddenly. <laughs> suddenly. A fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. Suddenly. 
I like the word suddenly because we can all relate to suddenly. Anybody ever had a suddenly in your life? You weren't expecting it. You didn't know it was coming. It was a suddenly moment. It's as if we could say it this way that I was just living my life and suddenly I walked into a situation I wasn't expecting. Suddenly this happened to me. I think about Stephen and Susan and their story and that's really what happened to Susan even driving down the highway that day. It was a suddenly moment. It was a suddenly somebody pulled out and there was nowhere to go. Suddenly this happened and there was nothing that I could do about it. And I just felt like the Lord wanted me to encourage you today. Maybe it's one person. Maybe it's everybody in this room. That God is still God over your suddenly. Even though you experienced a suddenly and you might be in the middle of a suddenly. It's like a week ago, suddenly this happened. A month ago, suddenly, and I'm still walking through this. It was a suddenly moment. God's still God over your suddenly. God's not caught off guard by your suddenly. God's not anxious about your suddenly. In fact, God, this is, this is so key. God actually saw your suddenly before your suddenly ever happened. How can you be caught off guard and anxious about something when you've already been there and already seen it through to completion before it ever even happens in your life? Because God stands outside of time. God, God already knew. He's already been there. He He's not caught off guard by the suddenly that happens in our lives. And I think that some of us may be fearful because there's been a suddenly that's happened in our lives. But here's, here's the thing. When you remember who's in your boat, you can actually throw wind in, or your fear into the sea and your fear into the ocean or your fear into the lake or whatever you want to say, whatever you want to put on it, when you remember who's actually with you in the suddenly. One thing that, that always stands out to me about this story is the disciples, and we don't have a lot of detail. We don't have a lot of detail. So maybe there was some conversation going on, but what we do know is that when it got really bad, they went and woke Jesus up. There was something in them. They had been with Jesus long enough to know that in the middle of the storm, we need to go get Jesus. Like, he's down here sleeping on a pillow we need to go wake Jesus up. And Jesus, do you, like, you're just in here sleeping. Do you care that we're about to drown, we're about to die? And Jesus calms the wind and calms the waves and everything calms down. And he says, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Which I don't think, I think sometimes we can ask ourselves that question. Like, sometimes the Lord is even asking us that question. Like, where, what is your faith in? Who is your faith in? Do you trust me? Do you really believe that I've already seen this through to the end? Do you really believe that there actually can be peace in the middle of chaos? That even if your situation does not change, you can be at peace. Even if you never get what you want, you could still be at peace. This is the God that we serve. 
that even in the midst of the storm and the chaos and whatever's going on in your life, you can actually still have peace because the peace that comes from God is not contingent upon your situation changing or everything being lined up just right in your life or you not having any problems in your life. The peace of God that comes from Jesus. When Jesus said, my peace I leave you, not peace like the world leaves, I'm giving you my peace. You can have my peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. You can have my peace, which is a peace. That even when things are crazy, you can still have it. And people can look at you and say, how can you be, how, how can you be at peace right now? It's because I have the peace of God. I have the peace that surpasses all understanding. I have the peace that I don't even understand. But I know that God gave it to me. I know that it comes through what Jesus did for me. I know that it's, it's, it's coming from inside of me, the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of me. There's only one person who can calm your storm, and if you're a believer, he's already living inside of you. You don't have anything to be afraid of. You don't have anything to be anxious about. And I know that's easier said than done. You know, we read about where Paul says, be anxious for nothing. We've talked about that, where it's like, how does that even, like, how is that even possible? I think a lot of it's our focus. A lot of it's, it's staying focused on Jesus, staying focused on him. I think this is something the Lord wants you to know today is that fear doesn't have to control you even in extremely difficult situations and circumstances. If you're like me, I, I have a tendency from time to time to let fear control me. If, if, something is really, um, if something is really bothering me, if something is really going on, it's easy, it's easy to let fear creep in and take over and now you're paralyzed and you're not doing anything for the Lord and, and you're not speaking in faith and and and. All of these things happen because fear has taken over. But listen, fear doesn't have to control us even when things are hard. Even when things are extremely difficult, we can be at peace. We can continue to trust God. There can be peace in the chaos, in the middle of the chaos in your life. With Jesus at the center, come on, you can have peace. You can have peace. Here's number three. Simply this, that God is our protector. God is our protector. Now, I want to read a few, a few verses to you because as I was writing this message, I was, reminded, I was reminded of our word for 2023, um, which is behind me. It's the word dwell. And the scripture, the, the entire chapter that we read, and we, we did an entire series over this at the beginning of the year, of how we, can, how we can dwell. What does it look like to dwell in the presence of the Lord? And so I went back to this. I was reminded of it. And I just want to read a few verses, not the whole chapter, but it's in Psalm 91. And I want to start in verse 9. It says, If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you, no plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go, they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, if you dwell in the presence of God all the time. We quoted this last week or the week before, but Psalm 23 at the very end, you know, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will what? Dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to stay there. I, it doesn't matter what's going on in my life, I'm going to stay there. 
Everything, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, even though everything's chaotic around me. He's protecting me. He's, he's, he's preparing a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I want to read a couple more scriptures over you today just to remind you how God is your protector. 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 2 and 3 says, Pray too that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not everyone is a believer. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard or protect you from the evil one. Psalm 34, 19 and 20. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous, not one of them is broken. Have you ever, you ever been through something in your life and while you were going through it, it didn't seem like God was protecting you? You ever been in the middle of something in your life and you're like, how, I don't understand how God is protecting me right now. You couldn't see it in the moment, but later you began to see how God protected you in that situation or in that season, right? You experienced a, a breakup that hurt you, but later you can see how the Lord protected you from a bad relationship that wasn't going to lead you on the path that God wanted for your life. You can see it and on like 10 years later, you're like, Wow. Look at what God protected me from. Or you lost your job, but later you saw how God was protecting you from something that was going to happen in that company. And when it happened, you thought what was a terrible situation could have actually been the Lord's protection in your life. Number one, because he had something better for you somewhere else he was taking you. But number two, because of something that would happen that, that he actually protected you from. For some, of us, for some of us in the room today, we need to thank God for the things that he's protected us from that we didn't even know we needed protection from. There's so many things in our lives that we don't even know. Right now, as we sit in this room, we don't know everything that God's protected us from. We don't know every way that God has already come through in our lives, and we can't see it. And one day, you know, right now we see in part, one day we'll see in full. One day we'll, we'll be able to see the way that God sees. But, but some of us just need to wake up tomorrow morning and say, God, I thank you in advance for what you are walking me through, what you're protecting me from, what you are keeping me from today that I don't even know is coming my way. I don't even know is going to happen, but you are my protector. Maybe he's protected you from an accident or protected you from a disaster, protected you from an evil, uh, a person's evil intentions or protected you from a relationship or from an outcome that you didn't know was going to happen five years later or ten years later and sometimes we walk through things and when we come out on the other side we even recognize that God was protecting us check this out from ourselves we walk through something and when we get to the other side of it we're like God protected me from me because had I been in control and had I been you know had I done it my way whew, it wouldn't have been good but God anybody ever been protected from you You've been protected from, from your own plan, the way that you wanted to do it. Come on, you wanted to send that email, and the Holy Spirit inside of you said, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> you wanted to send the text message, and the Holy Spirit was like, nope, nope, no. We're not doing that today. You wanted to go in and tell your boss, you know, give, give him or her the, the what for, and the Holy Spirit was like, mm-mm. No, not if I'm in control. Not if you're going to live according to the Spirit today. We're not doing that today. 
And there are even times, there, there, I really believe this. There are times in my life, like, that even right now, there have been things that I've been protected from that I don't even know. I don't even know. Because God's faithful. God's faithful. Does this mean that you're never going to, come on, you know the answer to this question. Does this mean you're never going to walk through anything hard? Anybody ever walk through anything hard? Can we just participate for just a moment? Anybody ever walk through anything hard in your life? Okay. Anybody that just raised their hand, a believer in Jesus Christ, and you've still walked through something hard in your life? It, it doesn't mean Jesus walked through hard things. Jesus was sweating like drops of blood before he did what he did, but he was still obedient to what God's will was for his life. It doesn't mean that we're not going to walk through hard things. It just means that God's in it with us. That he never leaves us, he never forsakes us. And there are things, and you're like, well, God, why didn't God protect me from that? Well, maybe he was protecting you from something else that you don't even know yet. And you're focused on the thing that you can see, but God's like, oh, if you could only see in the spiritual realm what's going on right now and what I protected you from, you would understand. God is our protector. And God being our protector, once again, is not contingent upon whether or not things have turned out the way that we want them to. God is our protector. And God may not keep us from walking through difficult things in life, but that doesn't mean he hasn't been protecting you all along the way. Worship team, you can come back and help me. Here's the last thing. The last point is this, a change of perspective. A change of perspective. I don't know if you've ever been through something in your life that gave you a different perspective. Gave you a different perspective on life, gave you a different perspective on that person Gave you a different perspective of how you see things in your life. And isn't it interesting how things that we walk through in life, they change our perspective on what really matters. I would bet, we, don't, we won't do this today, but I would bet if we were to be able to go around the room, that everyone in here would say there has been something that's happened that changed your perspective. You saw it differently after that. I remember when... Uh, before we had our four kids that we have now. So this has been 15, 16 years ago. And we walked through the difficulty of a miscarriage. And just the emotions that come with that and the, you know, unless you've been through it, you really can't get it. I'm going to say it like that. And that's my point. Walking through that gave us a different perspective. So now when you see somebody, when you've been through something and you see somebody else going through something, you just have a different compassion. There's just a different, there's just something different inside of you. You pray differently. You communicate differently because you see it differently. And one of the changes of perspective, Susan mentioned it, um, their feeling of urgency after going through something like that where where honestly, as you said, I mean, it could have been a moment where you lost your life. And when you come out of something like that and you've been through something like that, um, it, changes, it changes what's important to you. And you start to, you start to see things as maybe that weren't as important become important and things that were like, you know, on the top of your list are now like, that really doesn't matter. 
in light of eternity all that much, right? There was an urgency, as, as they were saying, there was an urgency to tell people that Jesus loves them. There was this urgency to tell people uh, you know, that we're not promised tomorrow, this urgency to tell people the good news of what Jesus already did for them so that they can receive it. And I believe that some of us, we just need a change in perspective. And I really felt this in my spirit that there, there are some of us that we keep making statements like we don't say it out loud, but in our minds we think it and we live our days this way. It's like there's time, there's time, there's time, there's time, there's time. Well, what about, well, I got time. Well, have you had the, well, I got time. Well, there's time. But the reality is that we, we really don't know how much time there actually is. We really don't know how much time we actually have or how much time the people around us have. And just a few verses, and you guys can begin to play whenever you're ready. James 4.14 says, How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. Well, there's, there's time. There's, there's time. How do you know? How do you know what tomorrow holds? How do you know what this afternoon holds? Hebrews 9. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again. Not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who eagerly, who are eagerly waiting for him. Matthew twenty four forty four. You also must be ready at all the, ready all the time. For the Son of Man will come when least expected. And this is not a, this is not an end times message. This is not a, whatever you want to call it. What this is, is a call for you to recognize you don't know how much time you have. And for hopefully some of us in the room to recognize what really matters. And Susan said it in, in the story. She said, in that moment walking through that, what really mattered was my family, my faith, and telling other people about Jesus. You know why? A lot of times when we walk through difficult things, we get a different perspective on how eternity matters. And some of the things that we're worried about and some of the things that we're wrapped up in and some of the things that we're trying to accomplish and some of, and I'm not saying have goals, accomplish something with your life, allow God to work through you. You know, I, I'm a believer in all of that. I'm a believer that God is, God blesses you so that you can bless other people, that that's how God uses us. But man, in light of eternity, when you really get down to the bottom line, can you just ask yourself, even right now in this moment, what really matters? What really matters? The, the people around you? You hear, you hear this all the time, that your, your first ministry is to your family. So when I think about me, my, my first ministry is not to you. It's not. It's not to you. I love you. I love you. But if this went away, I still have my first ministry. 
and it's to my wife and it's to my kids. And it's a different perspective. It's a change in perspective. And for some of you in the room right now, I believe that even in this moment, you, you can feel it right now. You feel it. You know it in your heart. I need a different perspective. I, there need to be some things that shift in my life because I have, I have been about other things that in light of eternity aren't the most important things. Can you just ask yourself this question? You don't have to respond or anything. I just want you to ask, because I was asking myself this question this last week. When was the last time you told somebody about Jesus? When was the last time? When was the last time that you shared your faith? When was the last time you had eyes to see somebody who was hurting and you gave them real hope? Like I know you can find hope in a lot of things that won't, won't see you through. But I can tell you about somebody that if you'll give your life, like this is what he's done for me. When, when was the last time? And I can't think, I was thinking this last week. I, I don't know, and maybe there is, maybe there is. This isn't, you know, this is just my perspective. I don't know if there's anybody in our church that's invited more people to church than you and your husband. I don't. I hear all the time, oh, we invited, oh, we're so glad they came today. Oh, they were sitting beside us. Oh, they were there today. Oh, my goodness. They were going through something, and they, and I thought this story was so perfect. Now, you ended it with this urgency to tell people about Jesus because there's this hope that, man, if we can just get them in the room, if I can just get them around other believers, if they can just see what's coming out of my life, if they can see what's coming out of other people's lives, they can see what God can do, then maybe their life will be changed forever. I think that we need, I think we need an urgency again. An urgency to, to really look at ourselves and say, am I, am I living for God? Am I serving God? And an urgency to be, to see that we're aware. I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if they know Jesus. So I begin to pray, God, give me, open a door, open a door. Let there be a moment. Let there be, let there be this moment in time where there's, there's a conversation, there's something they say that it prompts me and it's like, this is the door. And I can walk through it and I can share Jesus with them and I can plant the seed in their heart. I think there needs to be more of an urgency a change of perspective. And I don't think we have to walk through something extremely, extremely difficult to get it. I think we can just make the decision. Eternity matters. Eternity matters for the person that's sitting next to you right now. So what if we allowed God to change the way that we see and to change the way that we think and to change our perspective? on how we've been living life and the things we've been pursuing. And we would just ask the question, Lord, what do you, what perspective do you want me to have? What do you want me to see? Will you stand today? As we end this series, I felt led to end it this way. We've heard from four, four, 
different couples in our church, four different stories, four different testimonies, if you will. But here's, here's what you have to remember. You have one too. And what I felt like the Lord wanted me to do was almost commission you to share your story. And it doesn't have to be in front of a camera and it doesn't have to be shown to a church full of people, but it can be shown to the one person that God brings you in an encounter with. The one person that he gives you eyes to see that, hey, pray for them. I want you to reach them. There's gonna be a moment in time when I want you to share your story and so you're ready. You're ready. You're ready. Every, you wake up on Monday morning you're like, if today's the day, I'm ready. If today's the day, I'm ready. I hope that you know you have a story to tell. And you don't know what hangs in the balance of your willingness and obedience to share your story. You don't know who hangs in the balance of your willingness and obedience to share your story. So if our prayer team would come down, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness, for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy. And we recognize in this moment how good you have been to us. We recognize in this moment that we are nothing without you. And so, Lord, I pray that we would allow you to, to help us be the right person at the right time in somebody else's life. To have eyes to see what you are doing. And, Lord, give us boldness. Maybe for some of us, we need to even write down what our story is so that we can be ready when the opportunity presents itself to share your truth and our story and what you've done in our lives and give somebody else hope that we would be ready. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. And Holy Spirit, I pray in this moment that if there's anybody here today who needs prayer for anything in their life, that you would draw them for prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.